Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here on my own because we just lost the game and I don't really want to talk to anybody else. It's too much of an effort right now. There are too many games. They come thick and fast. And after a loss, I just want to sit in a little room and talk about Arsenal alone with nobody to disagree with me or tell me things that I don't want to hear. And, uh, you know, the, I've been reading the Grove comments section, which is always a complete shit fest after a game like this. And I don't like some of the comments that I've been reading. And I've been going through Twitter and the the the, the usual uh, the usual doubters come out They've got their anti-Arteta agenda ready because they backed Unai Emery. I find nothing weirder. I find nothing weirder in the Arsenal community than people that are still upset for one of the blandest managers to ever land at Arsenal Football Club. But that is football fandom for you. If you uh, strongly went for the previous manager and you approved to be foolish you can't possibly like the new manager and you will have all sorts of statistics lined up in your draft tweets because you're an embarrassing person. But um, I'm not here to talk about um, the people that try and throw doubt over um, you know, a, a difficult process that a, a fairly novice manager is undertaking. Oh, no. But I am going to be honest about um, the Aston Villa game because it was shit. It really was. It was one of the most disappointing performances so far. Um, I I think that there are um, 
I think there are mitigating circumstances that will be unforgivable right now. And I don't think Arsenal fans really want to hear it because Aston Villa have not been good. I used to live with an Aston Villa fan. His name's Tom. He's written for, yeah, he's written for the blog before, um, Irishman. And he was under no doubt that Arsenal were going to trounce Aston Villa, even when they went 1-0 up. He was like, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you not to win this game because we're so bad uh, holding on to leads. I think they've got one of the, I think Villa have got one of the worst records um, after 80 minutes. But we were we were not of the races. Um, you know, we, we've had three very difficult games in a row. Um, I think you could argue that maybe we were unlucky when we played Spurs. Um, a tough North London derby away from home. Then we... Liverpool came to Arsenal and we were absolutely battered for 97 odd minutes. Uh, but we came out victorious uh, and that was great news. Then Manchester City, FA Cup semi-final. We were magnificent and we played a peak Mourinho strategy and, and, and we came out on top. And then you have to turn up against Aston Villa. Uh, a team at the bottom of the league, a team that mentally weak players perhaps think they're going to trounce. And uh, we, ju- we just didn't show up in the way that the, you, you'd hope. So we lost. Um, we also gave up our opportunity of getting into the Europa League via the, the Premier League. And when your last two games, uh, two teams in a relegation dogfight, it's just disappointing. I mean, when when you sum up our season, if we'd beaten Villa today and we'd beaten Brighton, there was an extremely high chance that we'd be in, uh, in, in European positions right now. But unfortunately, um, you know, we are where we are. We, you know, the, the table doesn't lie. We are not a world-class team. Um, there, there's there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done to get us back to the top. So, I already recorded this podcast once and I kind of felt like maybe I meandered a little bit because it's um, it's very difficult to gather your thoughts um, when you're on your own. So I just wanted to go through like five areas that I think uh, are maybe important um, after the result today. I think that we should talk about creativity because there is clearly an absolute lack of it um, in in the team. I don't think that that is, uh, is a fault of, of Arteta. Um, but I want to talk about um, creativity because we didn't have a single shot on goal today. And when you've got players like Lacazette and Obama Yang, Saka in the side, you really should be doing more. Um, I want to talk about standards because I think that there is a link there. You, you know, we've we've not done badly without Gwendozi in the side. We've not done badly without Meza Ozil in the side. But as soon as there's a bad loss, you know, the, the press can't help themselves. They want to ask questions about why Meza Ozil's not playing. Um, so we're back to that argument, which I find frustrating. Um, then I want to talk about mentality because it's, 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 it's almost a bigger problem in the squad than technical ability or suitability to, to Arsenal. Um, then we can talk about maybe maybe talk a little about the squad depth and then, you know, we'll, we'll finish on what the, what the summer holds because... You know, it is it is not a good time to be um, to be out of Europe and have the Cronkies 
running your side. You know, it's looking like Newcastle might secure £300 million in transfer fees. FFP is out the window after Manchester City escaped their ban. And, you know, we can barely muster three pennies together. So um, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so I'll be back in part two and then we'll dive right in. So let's uh, let's discuss some of the disgusting statistics around uh, today's game against Aston Villa, because I think the clear um, the clear issue that Arteta has had um, throughout his entire tenure is we're not very creative. Um, I think the, the elements of this are because uh, we've sacrificed creativity um, to bring a little bit more solidity to the side. Unai Emery had a porous defence when Arteta took over. Um, Unai, Unai Emery had been conceding about 1.64 goals a game. Um, we've reduced that to um, just below one goal. It's it's still not good enough. Um, you know, you you want to get lower, but I think you know one of the biggest issues that Emery faced across his entire tenure was that. Um, he couldn't structure a defense. He couldn't structure um, a team to be difficult to beat, and we suffered for it. But now we're uh, now we're looking a little bit more solid. Uh, we've got a different kind of problem where uh, we just don't have any creativity. If you look at the the pass maps of today, there is a huge uh, lack of blue arrows running through um, the middle of the park where a dynamic number ten. Um, or players uh, with a little bit of um, a little bit of fire in their bellies to to take a chance um, w- would be dominating. Uh, just to reel off some of the statistics today, we had uh, 522 passes, 117 of those in the attack in third. We delivered 34 crosses, and we had a sum total of seven attempts at goal and zero on target. I mean. It's it's unforgivable. It's disappointing, but sadly, it's not much of a surprise. Um, and I, I I think that there are there are serious challenges in the side at the moment. I mean, you've got Granite Jacker, who I think has been an extremely solid player for us since he since he came back. I mean, he's been part of um, some memorable victories. He's been the leader that he wasn't when he was captain. Um, and he does a job from a deep lying position. He's not particularly mobile. We've always known that. Um, but he's also not particularly good at threading passes in the final third. And Danny Ceballos, I mean, his statistics in the Premier League this season have been absolutely exceptional. He's passing. Um, he's been incredibly accurate. You know, he moves the ball forward. He intercepts. He tackles. He looks like an all-action hero out on the pitch. But the one thing he's not very good at is finding decisive passes in the final third. A lot of Arsenal's play relies on um, on wingers crossing the ball from out wide. And when those wingers don't find their target, uh, Arsenal don't create anything. And today was one of those games where um, it, it, it just didn't click. But what you can't say is the, the, the players didn't show up. They did show up. They just were completely clueless when it came um, when it came to the final third. So, you know, this is an ongoing problem. Um, I I think it's a, I think it's something that, you know, we've tried to 
used makeshift strategies to try and resolve, but it's been it's been really hit and miss. I mean, our conversion rate against Liverpool was incredible. You know, we're 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 getting more goals from tackling goalkeepers than from anywhere else. Um, and then against Manchester City, um, four attempts in the entire game, four shots. You know, all four were on target. Um, and it just goes to show you, it's like if it, if if it, if it rolls right for Arsenal, it's great. But um, don't expect um, a, a, a lot of creativity in this side. And the only way that you're going to solve that for me is you're, you're going to have to purchase the the right type of player. And that type of player was on the pitch today. Jack Grealish. My God, what a, what a magnificent physique that guy's got. He's got, he's got incredible legs. I wish I had legs as, uh, as beautiful as that. And uh, what a head of hair. So thick, so perfectly swept back. I used to sweep my hair back, but I didn't have hair as good as him. Um, not even in, in my youth. Um, but you know, he, he offers all the things that you want. You know, he's, um, he's ambitious going forward. He can run up players. Uh, he's got incredibly tight control. Um, he can play right all across the front line and he drives the ball forward and he's decisive in the final third and he would be absolutely perfect for Arsenal. He reminds me of, um, you know, the way I felt when I used to see Jack Wilshire play, um, he's just got everything about him. I love the swagger. I love the fact that he goes on holiday to Benidorm with his mates. Um, I love the fact that he's a bit of a rogue. You know, he's the archetypal Jack in the UK. And, you know, what he would he would just solve so many problems for Arsenal. But we're probably not going to be able to find 60, 70 million to buy him out of Aston Villa, um, which is a real shame. But it... He he would make a difference for Arsenal. You know the 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 same the same way that somebody like Bruno makes a difference to Manchester United, and we are struggling to fashion anything out of this squad of players. It's very imbalanced for the way that Mikel Arteta wants to play, and that's got to be an absolute priority this summer because we can't go another year without that sort of creativity. And arguably. You need to have two or three players that can play that role. I mean, yeah, think back to, uh, you know, even five years ago, some of the talent that we had um, in the side that would be so valuable right now, like Santi Gazzola, he's just had an absolutely blinding season. He could barely walk when he left Arsenal. He's got 15, 15 goals, eight assists, 35 years old. Unbelievable. Aaron Ramsey, you know, not the sharpest from a technical perspective. But he's sitting on the bench at Juventus. What what would he add to our midfield? He can run with the ball. He's powerful. He's he's an exciting player. Um, he can assist. He can score goals. That all action hero. If you put him under the tutelage of someone like Mikel Arteta, I think he'd be deadly for us. And it's it's such a shame that you know we didn't replace that talent because arguably that's where the Nicolas Pepe money should have gone in the summer. But. You know, it is it is what it is. But um, addressing our midfield is is absolutely vital. You know, if you if you see a Ceballos, Granite Jacker, um, you know, base of your midfield, then then you've got to have something very exciting because uh, leaning on Enketia or Saka or Lacazette to come in and do that job, I just don't see any long term value 
in uh, in, in that sort of approach. And I'm, I'm I'm sure the I'm sure that the coach doesn't either. Um, so you know the the tale of today, thankfully, wasn't the weird you know, our players aren't turning up or um, they, you know, they don't care about the club. I, 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 do, I do think that there was a lack of urgency in the first half, but I think a lot of that, you know, came down to like bad selections. Torreira was absolutely disastrous. Arteta doesn't often make subs inside the first half, but, you know, it was quite clear that um, Torreira was having a disaster class and he was rightfully pulled off. We got a little bit better after the break, but, Again, it just it just wasn't going to fall for us today. So I think that we can all agree that we need to address the structure of our midfield. And I also feel like part of the problem is in the back line as well. I mean, Rob Holding does not want to play the ball forward. You know, he just wants to pass sideways. He just wants to play it safe. Uh, I... I, I just I struggle with Cedric Suarez. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't tearing up trees at Southampton. They thought he was going to go to a lower league club. And again, just a little bit disappointed with him. I don't think he's that great. I don't think he has the athleticism that we want um, in that position. I would much prefer to see Ainsley playing in that role. Um, I, I mean, the, the standard is someone like Kieran Tierney. I mean, he came on, he's devastating, he's powerful, he's precision in his passing. I mean, he wasn't particularly today, but at least he's a threat. I mean, Cedric Suarez just, I don't know, he looks like looks like he needs 24, 24% more body to, to be effective. And if, if you've only got one defender in the sort of system that we want to play that can, that can pass through the lines you know, you're going to be in trouble or you've got hope that David Luiz is bringing his A game and he certainly didn't bring that yesterday. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, we need lots of upgrades and it can't be people of Kia's book. It has to be has to be better players. Um, it has to be the level of Kieran Tini. And I think you, the only way that you find those players is you do it the proper way. You don't you don't call your your little um, collection of friends and ask them what they think. You, you go to the scouts um uh, and you lean on them to to find the the, the talents that are going to help push you forward. So, outside creativity, um, I want to move on to phase two. Phase two is standards, um, and I think that this is something that you know Arsenal fans fall back when anything goes wrong. Is to ask where Özil is or where Matteo Guendouzi is. You honestly can't keep on falling back on, on those two. No one asked where those two after we won the last two games. Why are we asking where they are after Aston Villa? Is Meza Ozil being super decisive in away games where we've travelled outside the M25? Not really. This isn't Meza Ozil 2016. This is Meza Ozil who has been ineffective for Wenger, for Freddie Lundberg, uh, for Unai Emery and now Arteta, like Arteta doesn't want to talk about it. Like the like Matteo Guendouzi, do people really think if he was giving his all in training, if he was giving the most to the rest of the squad, if he was behaving uh, in the way that you need to in a high performance culture, do we really think that he wouldn't be playing? Do we really think that a club that needs European football would leave him on the bench if 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 he was part of the long term, if he was offering 
what was needed. Like, absolutely not. It's just such an amateur analysis to keep on coming back to players that have been rebirthed, haven't hit the standards and have fallen away. You either want Arsenal to be a serious football club or you don't. And unserious football clubs cave to stupid fans like us um, and, and their need to bring players back. Unai Emery brought Mesut Ozil back. Did he win the Europa League? No. Did we qualify for the Champions League? No. Was, wasn't was an effective decision and it completely um, took away any uh, like idea that Emery was a strong leader. And the most important thing is not Meza Ozil and Matteo Guendouzi. It's the opinion of everybody watching how Arteta deals with that decision. And the way that you get to great leadership in any organization is everybody plays by the same rules. You know, as soon as, uh, as soon as the system is not fair, as soon as people feel that there is injustice in the way that you give out decisions, people switch off and they stop believing in you. And then they drop off 2% here and 2% there. And then you can't get performances like you did against Manchester City and Liverpool. And look, was it was it the perfect performance? I mean, the Man City one, uh, as close as perfect for that squad, was Liverpool ideal? No, but like that's the best those players can do. And, and don't pretend anybody knows a way that you get the Arsenal players beating those two sides with that talent. You don't. It's a, it's, it's a nonsense. He, uh, Mikel Arteta is extracting the most out of this squad in the main that he possibly can. And um, it's not it's not his group of players. And, you know, we're going through a pandemic and there are all sorts of problems going on. Um, so I would much prefer him just see out the season and then deal with those players because we can't be having this conversation next season. Buy Ozil out of his contract. Offer him half and say you can go on a free and you can pick up a massive transfer fee in Turkey or wherever you want to go. Find somebody to that, that wants Gwendozi and they have a good swap option on the table. Like don't 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 swap Gwendozi for a two hundred and fifty thousand a week Coutinho. Don't do that. That that's not that that that's not seeing the the, the long term game there. Like he's an he's an ineffective player in a modern system. I I think um, I think that you're just buying a younger version um, of of Meza Özil, um, and I don't think that it would look good for the club to be investing in more Kia players. In, you know, swap Gwendozi for a player that makes sense. Go to Atleti and say, we'll have Thomas Partey for Gwendozi. Okay, no. Go to Lyon. We'll have OR. And we'll swap him for Gwendozi. Like, make sure that if you have this top midfield talent, make sure that the player you get in return is good and, 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 and move the club forward. Um, and... Get rid of those players. Like the 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 standards need to be set at Arsenal. For too long, the players have been running the show. It's been a soft boy camp. It's been it's been about weakness. It's been about comfort. Um, it's not been about winning. It's not been about a collective vision. And that's where we need to go. And falling back on ugh, maybe Özil could have changed the game yesterday. Please, Arsenal underperforming 
in an away game and you think Meza Ozil is rescuing us? Matteo Guendozi. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of games where I'm like, wow, this kid, he's really driving us forward. He's super effective in the final third. I mean, he he does move the ball forward and, you know, it, that would be nice. But like, look, if, if he is a dickhead behind the scenes, like this idea that just just bring in the dickhead that nobody likes, that everybody feels doesn't put in maximum effort in training, that everybody feels, you know, isn't really part of the team. Just bring him into the side. What, you think that that's a, a smart long-term move? It, it, it absolutely isn't. It absolutely isn't. Arsenal players should have won today. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that are wrong in the side, but at least there seems to be a collective team spirit. At least the players seem to be happy and seem to be going in the right direction. And I just feel that bringing Ozil and Gwendozi back into the side before an FA Cup final, it's just it's just not the right thing. I, I think that you know it takes focus away. Um, so on the standards thing, look, I would love a focus Gwendozi. I would love a focus Meza Ozil. But if there are only two players in the entire squad that aren't being included consistently, that probably tells you something. There's not a witch hunt, right? It's just players that have not hit the standards under previous managers, not hitting the standards again. There's a pattern of behavior here. And... If you if 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 you don't believe in standards, if you think the uh, leadership is as simple as just bringing in players that don't abide by the rules of the squad, you just don't understand people dynamics. I'm sorry, you just don't understand people dynamics. I think what's going on um, with Arteta on that front is absolutely right. Let's just get the toxicity out of the club and let's move on, even if it means having a rough end to the season like we are. Um, so the the third topic that I want to talk about is is mentality because uh, I I think the mentality over talent has been a has been a huge problem for Arsenal. I think that um, one of the big concerns that I have about Mikel Arteta is he's a great coach, and I think that he so far it seems from the outside he seems very keen to be the guy that turn players around in that, that brings people back from the dead. He's brought um, Granite Jacker back from the dead. You know, this is a player that was uh, throwing his shirt and telling fans to fuck off in December. And now he's, he's looking a solid player. He really is. Um, and I'd imagine that that becomes addictive to a certain degree. And you start to think that you can change everybody and interestingly there's a I don't even know if it's a parallel but Arsene Wenger had a similar thing with resurrecting injured players careers and you know he took Mark over Mars when there were rumors that his knee was busted and it worked out well for a season and you know we won the league and he signed Kanu and he'd had a heart attack and he just got in the habit of signing players that had injury problems because I don't know whether he felt he had the magic touch and it started to bite him in the ass. And I just worry that Mikel Arteta thinks that some of these short-term hits of form that he's seeing from players represent long-term. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not with him. I, I think that, um, I think the Mustafi has been a turnaround player. I think that we should just accept that, you know, we have fixed a broken car, but there's still a lot of problems. And I think that if we can sell him this summer, we should sell him. 
I think the Granite Jacker has been vastly improved, but he's still not mobile. Um, and if we can find a player that can do what he can do, but add mobility and a bit of physicality into the centre of midfield, that, that's what we need. We need power and pace back in the side. Um, and I, I think there are players that he seems to have a little bit of a love affair with that I just don't think are right in the head. Um, Kalasanak keeps on getting games. Um, from what I hear, he 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 really isn't at the races from a mental perspective. Like he's just not ready to play in big games. He gets nervous, overthinks things. And you can see it on the pitch. He looks absolutely petrified. Come at him with a knife on Holloway Road and he'll beat the shit out of you. But like put him in a big game uh, and he just is, he's error prone and um, he's not confident and it, it affects us. Rob Holding, a player, he, he's not, I don't think he's built for a, a, a you know, an Arteta setup. Time after time today, pass it to Luis, Luis passes it back, pass it to Luis, Luis passes it back. Over and over again, he's uncomfortable on the ball. He doesn't want to progress it. And it, you know, it affects the whole team. He he doesn't he doesn't look in control. He doesn't look confident. And I just think that there are a lot of players that are going to consistently let Arteta down. And I just worry that, you know, he sees a performance like the Manchester City one from David Luiz. And he says, yes, this is my guy. You just got to keep on playing him. And it's, ugh, I, I just, I, I, I don't know whether I can agree with it. I think that David Luiz is always going to let you down. Um, I think that there is always a mistake in the locker. And I think the older he gets, um, the more obvious those mistakes are, are, are going to be. And I, I just I just really worry that he's going to be a mainstay of the team um, next year. And I, I think that one of the big things that we've got to do this summer is root out players that aren't mentally focused. Mateo Ozil, obviously. Mustafi, Kalasanak, Holding. Um Bring in players that um, that have the right level and the right temperament to push forward. You know, I would even say Nicolas Pepe. Like, I love him. He's got so much talent, but he just doesn't show up enough. Um, and maybe that will come good next season. But he he looks scared on the pitch. He looks meek. Um, and I, I know that players that come from League One can quite often explode in the second season. Um, but I'm, I'm just wondering, like, what sort of player he can be for us, and whether a, um, somebody that looks so quiet and, and and so reserved, and you know, doesn't talk in the dressing room, is he going to be a player for an Arsenal team right now? Um, I don't know, and uh, I, I'm sure you know Steve Round seems very into the psychology and the mentality of the players Arteta seems very attuned to you know what it is to be a top class footballer um but sometimes you you know when you're new to a job you know I, I know that when I started working with um you know creative talent like you start to love the talent in your team and then you don't see the, you know, you, you start having blind spots because people put in a good performance here. They do something good here, but you don't see the bigger picture because you start being invested in that person and you get addicted to making people better. And sometimes you should just say, maybe I should cut my losses, like to be uh, the best of the best. Sometimes you've just got to be ruthless and, 
that's difficult. And that's the difference between Pep Guardiola. That's the difference between, you know, Jurgen Klopp, Pochettino, um, Jose Mourinho, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of the best for being completely ruthless in his decisions. So um, I really hope that there is a, a, a focus on mentality and the, you know, some of the rhetoric coming out of the club about understanding players' psychology is true and that they're clear-eyed about it um, because it is a young person's mistake to think that everybody can be changed, everybody can be made better and wanting to hold on for a, a, a little bit too long when you should just cut relationships early. Um, the 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 next you know point that I wanted to talk about is squad depth. Um, one of my friends in a WhatsApp group said that Arteta's lineup today was arrogant. I read somebody say that Arteta's forward line was as bad as Tammy Abraham's Giroud and Bashwai in a front three. Um, I don't know whether it was arrogant. I kind of I kind of feel like in. I kind of feel like when, when when Arteta experiments and it goes well, he's a fucking god. You know, when he's playing um, Maitland-Niles out of position, when he's, you know, moving Tierney in as a centre-back, it's genius because it works. And when he makes a decision that's very similar against a very weak Aston Villa team, he's arrogant and he didn't respect the side and... I, I'm just not sure that I can buy into that. I think that um, he's got a lot of extremely fatigued players and he's been rotating heavily every single game um, this season. He does it every time, you know, four or five changes because that's the only way that you can survive three games a week. And when it goes wrong, you can't call him arrogant. <laughs> you can say, man, he got that fucking wrong, but I don't think you can call him arrogant. I don't think anybody knew that Torreira was going to come on and be fucking awful. I don't think anybody knew that he was he was going to be that bad. I think everybody still looks at Torreira and they're like, "Wow, this guy, this guy, this guy could be great." But he's just not cutting it. He needs to go back to he needs to go back to Italy. He needs to go back to a, a slower league. Let's hope that if, if Ivan Gazidis, um, who has just pulled the deal for Ranić, just says, "You know what? I need Torreira in my team um, because." I just don't think he's going to cut it in the Premier League. I don't think he's got the physicality or the mobility. Um, and what it shows is that we just don't have the the squad depth. You know, we had to um, sub him out and, and bring on Granite Jacker to save the game, which, you know, if you told me that six months ago, I would have laughed at you. But that's the, the reality of our squad depth at the moment. Joe Willock comes on. I mean, I know that he's young. There's obviously something that the, the manager's seen him, but he doesn't have the ability to really affect... Um, games in the way that we'd hope to at the moment so the the problem is that not only do we lack the correct players that I was talking about earlier um, we also don't have enough players that can even just do the basics in a system that like clearly isn't um, that clearly isn't working so um, we've got a whole host of problems that, that, that we need to fix this summer and you've got fans flying a banner over Cronkies out back Arteta and Arteta has to keep on apologizing for saying that he wanted money. But the reality is, if this squad doesn't get a big injection of cash this summer, we're in trouble. If Arteta doesn't beat Chelsea in the Europa League, uh, no, in the FA Cup final for Europa League football, we're in fucking trouble because we don't have a lot of players um, that have resale value. We're in a depressed market. 
And, you know, Newcastle were going to have three, 300 million quid to spend this summer. Manchester City, they're going to have 300 million to spend this summer. United have drawn down on 140 million pounds worth of credit. Um, Chelsea are buying world-class players. Spurs will buy world-class players. Like Arsenal cannot afford to have a transfer budget of £15 million this summer because we're going to fall, fall further and further behind. You know, we're in a situation where you know, Aston Villa spent, what, £80 million last summer? Like, we're not going to have that money because we blew this season's, this summer's transfer budget last summer on, you know, £72 million for Nicolas Pepe, which looks absolutely absurd right now. So um, I'm sure that we'll be able to do things. And I think that it's just going to, you know, if we don't make Europe, we're going to have to make some difficult decisions. Maybe we have to sell Aubameyang. We'll definitely have to sell Lacazette. We're going to have to find somebody to pick up Torreira. And maybe the the if we accept reality and go hard this summer when some players that didn't have good reputations that now have reputations, maybe we use them as make weights, but it's going to be difficult either way. You know, I, I, I think the, the, the wheeler dealer approach of Don Raul, you know, maybe that contacts approach is going to pay off this year. I mean, the um, Juventus with their uh, Arthur and Pjanic deal where they were just exchanging exorbitant amounts of money that looked like some sort of like weird tax game. Like I think that that's the thing that a lot of clubs are going to have to do this summer. But it is absolutely imperative that we move hard and we do big things because uh, we're we're a long way out of Champions League now. And it will start affecting our reputation. And every year that we're away from the Champions League, we get further and further away um, from getting back in and it becomes more and more expensive. And I, I, I think it, The Athletic had a quote where it said that the, the Cronkies aren't bad owners. They just hire bad people. And we we have, we have a lack, there's a lack of plan at Arsenal. Um, I, I, I don't hear great things about Edu. He, Edu hasn't demonstrated um any sort of coherent plan so far. Um, I think the hope is that Arteta is helping to drive that. Um, I think the concern is that Raul brought in Edu because Edu would be, you know, play second fiddle to whatever he wanted to do. And January seems to point to that being exactly what's happened. But we need a better plan than that. We got to hope that Tim Lewis was brought in for oversight. And we've got to hope that Arsenal do behave this summer. And we've got to stop making short-term signings with, you know, huge risk attached. Suarez, waste of money. Luis on another year, waste of money. Pablo Mari, who knows, but he's had 22 elite-level games in Brazil. You know, that 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 can't be the level that we're going after. Um, you know, we need to be, we need to start operating more like a Dortmund, more like an, an RB, um, an RB Leipzig. Um, I, I suspect that Monaco are going to, um, start operating like a proper club. Um, you know, they've got Paul Mitchell that they took from Leipzig as their, as their top scout. Um, you know, Arsenal need to put in place um, a better plan, a better vision, and it can't be scrabbing or scrabbling away at fucking, you know, Socrates, 
Mkhitaryan. Like we've we've tried spending big money on players on the way out, and it doesn't work. That's why I don't I don't want to see Willian at Arsenal next season because what's the long term effect? You spend 180 grand um, a week on a three year deal. What do you have after? Nothing. You want to make sure that you're signing players so when you get into the Champions League, they grow into it. Like Liverpool. You know, Liverpool is the way forward. Data is the way forward. Context football is not the way forward. Anybody that tells you that that is the way forward is a joker. You know, and and why why would you want to be in that murky world of, you know, signing a player and you don't know who the favour was for? And look, get the fuck out of my face with this mentality of, oh, if you sign this shit player, we'll give you this great young Brazilian at some point. That's that's not the way to do business. It's an embarrassing way to do business. It's pathetic. Um, and that's not the Arsenal way. And we have a lot of great people at Arsenal behind the scenes. You know, we were we were doing the stat um the stat DNA thing um well before Liverpool. We just didn't implement it properly. You know, we had we had the fancy data, we had the fancy analysts, you know, we bought the the Rolls Royce, but Wenger wanted to, you know play on his bicycle. So um, there's there's enough talent at Arsenal to progress the club forward. The question is, do we go hard at it? Or do we have to watch one more summer of Raul doing things his way? Um, and, you know, if that's the case, let's be honest, he's not going to last very long. Uh, so a huge summer ahead. Um, but in the meantime, uh, don't be too depressed about, the Aston Villa loss. This is just part of the process. There's going to be some ups and downs. It'll be exactly the same next season. You know, we're not going to fix Arsenal in in one year, um, but we'll get better next year. Um, we'll have a squad that looks more like the sort of um, setup that is going to help Arteta succeed. Um, and you know, this is a this is the three four year plan or a four five year plan, just like Liverpool. But I think we've got the right coach. And we will get it right eventually. I just hope that we don't have to go too far back. I don't hope, I hope that we've found our ground zero by finishing the league in 10th. And I hope that it's not a horrendous ground zero. I hope that it's not 10th and then we lose the FA Cup final because that really would be absolutely tragic. But Arsenal will hit the bottom and it will be painful. But we're a great brand. We've got some great young players coming through. We've got a brilliant young coach that cares about Arsenal. Our leadership isn't quite there, but look, that Tim Lewis move, that is ominous. That is ominous for Raul because everybody knows that like he is, you know, his relationship with these super agents isn't the way that you get back to the top. And especially, you know, you don't go spending money with super agents when you've got no money. So hopefully we'll put a stop to that this summer, but I still don't know what the caliber of player that Edu is going to bring into the club. I still don't know whether he is that good or what he does, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, you know, maybe hit it off with Arteta and maybe they've sharpened the focus of the sort of player that they're going to bring in. Um, so I'm, I'm still confident. Um, we'll get over this. Don't listen to the naysayers. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, and you know, we're on the right path and we've just got to deal with, um, huge disappointments like this, but on the upside, I'd much prefer Aston Villa stay up than Watford. Fuck Watford. Let's hope that we smash them at the weekend and send Troy Deeney down. Hope he gets, uh, I won't hope he gets a pay cut. You know, he seems like a nice fella, but he's a, he's a pantomime 
villain on a, on the football pitch. But um, let's hope we have a good game at the weekend and let's hope we go into the FA Cup final with some momentum. And um, I'm going to do a super exciting FA Cup final podcast and then we can all get pumped for August 1st and um, hopefully we can finish the season on a high note and uh, really, really enjoy Europa League next season um, and never, ever say a bad word about Thursday night football again. Okay, that is all I've got for you today. It's been an absolute pleasure waffling for you. Um, Please give the podcast a five-star review. Tell your friends about it um, and maybe listen to it again. Just give me a, a couple of extra listens. I don't get any money out of this, but I get an immense pleasure from seeing that more than three people and listen to my voice for 30 minutes. Okay, on that note, ciao for now. Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock original Bel-Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson in theaters and streaming only on Peacock Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.